Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and toquettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Wednesday, November 30th, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Welcome to the show, coming to you live and direct from beautiful, legal Potland, Oregon, in the brand new Delta 9 Studios, and I'm pretty excited because yesterday we finally got a couch. <laughs> been in this uh, house for almost a month, no couch, and uh, been sitting on bar stools and benches. And uh, it's just nice to have a couch. It's the little things in life you have to appreciate to uh, really get the most out of this, don't you think? Anyway, it's the last day of November. December is right on the horizon, and this will be my last day talking to you live until December 19th. That's right. Extended break here on the Russ Belleville Show. And I know we just had an extended break, and uh, my apologies for the way the schedule's worked out. But uh, tomorrow and Friday, I will be a part of Portland Weed Week. It's happening right now. You can check it out online at pdxweedweek.com. It's already going on today. They're doing a, a cannabis crawl. They're uh, visiting all of these dispensaries and other uh, businesses here in Portland on three different neighborhoods. So that's happening right now. Uh, tomorrow and Friday, I am the MC for the panels that are happening at the Left Bank Annex and lots of different tracks going on, cultivation and uh, social use and medical use and business, uh, all sorts of things happening there. I'll be emceeing it all. And again, pdxweedweek.com has got all the info. General admission tickets are 99 bucks vip is 199 but uh, you'll want to get that vip today because the only thing uh that's vip that's happening is the cannabis infused dinner tonight uh yeah really cannabis infused dinner all sorts of uh, interesting edible items but only for the vips that's 199 otherwise 99 for general admission and uh, don't forget on sunday it's absolutely free you don't have to have a ticket for sunday it's the northwest cannabis classic and uh you can get samples you want to check that out. So pdxweedweek.com. Uh, I'm gone for Thursday and Friday for that. And then starting on uh, the next week, uh, the week of the 5th and the week of the 12th, I'll be in Jamaica. That's right. I'm going to Jamaica for vacation. My first non-working travel vacation, unplug, be off the Internet kind of time in a long, long time, folks. Probably since I've started this show, and this is show number 871. <laughs> so, yeah, about time I took a vacation. So uh, we're headed to Jamaica. I'll post a few pictures and uh, bring you back some stories. All right, on today's show, uh, those of you out there listening who, uh, oh, it doesn't matter who you vote for. They're both the same. Oh, there's no difference between them. America be just as screwed. Well, we've got a new revelation from the incoming Trump administration. He has selected Representative Tom Price to be the head of the Department of Health and Human Services. Uh, this guy, he already picked Jeff Sessions for the attorney general, like the most anti-pot guy you could get from the Senate. Now he's picked the most anti-pot guy that you could get from the House 
to head up HHS. We'll talk about that coming up in our Cannabis Radio News, but also coming up at the end of this hour, joining us from the Brookings Institute, we got John Hudak. He's going to tell us all about Representative Price and just what this could mean. How bad could it get? If Health and Human Services wanted to make a statement about medical marijuana, we'll get that from John coming up at the end of the hour. Before that, we've got some Cannabis Business Chronicles. We've got Sarah Gullickson joining us. She's with dispensarypermits.com. Help you help you get your business uh, started right. We'll also talk a little bit about President Obama's exit interview with Rolling Stone and in drug war data mining, the impossibility of the marijuana breathalyzer. That's all coming up. Plus, Hour 2, Toker Talk Radio will take your calls. But first... We're back with the news. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's orders. Less heat, more flavor. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or 8 years old. You can still learn something that's going to make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belleville Show. We're as much like Cheech and Chong as ordinary Americans are like the Three Stooges. Hey, Mo! New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Wednesday, November 30th, 2016. President-elect Donald Trump has announced his choice of Representative Tom Price, Republican of Georgia, to head the Department of Health and Human Services. The Washington Post reports that, quote, 
Price is one of the most consistently anti-marijuana members of Congress, voting against a number of marijuana proposals before the House in recent years, end quote. While federal drug laws are the purview of the Department of Justice, where Mr. Trump has chosen the Senate's greatest drug warrior, Jeff Session, HHS could penalize doctors or sue sellers who work with medical marijuana in the 28 states where it is legal. HHS also controls Medicare and Medicaid and could conceivably use their reimbursements to physicians as leverage to restrict medical marijuana recommendations. Representative Price has earned a grade of D from both Normal and Drug Policy Alliance for his consistent record voting against medical and recreational marijuana law reform. However, Representative Price has supported the expansion of industrial hemp and a limited measure preventing the Justice Department from interfering with states that allow the medical use of cannabidiol. Alaska has begun receiving its first tax payments from marijuana businesses one month after the start of legal pot sales. The Department of Revenue said the first cash deposit from a pot shop came Monday. Leif Abel, co-owner of Greatland Ganja in Kasseloff, became the second owner to pay when he dropped off $5,600 in tax money on Tuesday, KTUU-TV reported. The state has set up a deposit safe at the Permanent Fund Dividend Office for business owners to drop off their tax payments. It's Alaska's only in-person drop site for cash. The payment process helps owners avoid having to deal with banks that are leery about working with pot businesses because marijuana remains illegal at the federal level. Business owners can also submit payments by mail, wire transfer, or electronically, according to officials. 83-year-old Willie Nelson may be the best-known marijuana smoker and country musician on earth, but now he is no longer the oldest. 84-year-old Loretta Lynn, subject of the 1980 biopic Coal Miner's Daughter, for which Sissy Spacek won the Academy Award for Best Actress, admits in an interview with People magazine that she tried smoking marijuana this year to treat her glaucoma. However, unlike the redheaded stranger, Loretta Lynn didn't have a good experience with the herb. Quote, I took one smoke off of it and it hit me right here in the chest, said Lynn. I like to have died. Glaucoma is just going to have to take over. End quote. Still, she defended her pal Willie's recreational use of pot. Quote, he's one of the greatest people in the whole world, Lynn says. I know he smokes pot, but my goodness, there's a lot of people doing a lot worse than smoking pot. End quote. A defensive tackle for the NFL's Miami Dolphins has been cut from the team after his arrest for marijuana possession in Florida Tuesday night. Leon Orr, age 24, was pulled over by police for suspicion of illegally tinted windows on his car, according to the arrest report by Collier County deputies. Claiming he could smell marijuana, the officer ordered Orr out of the car. Upon the subsequent pat-down search, Orr was allegedly found to have, have marijuana, as well as what local TV news reports called Cush Syrup and THC. Orr was charged with possession of marijuana under 20 grams, a misdemeanor, and possession of a controlled substance, presumably the syrup. Orr, a Florida native, played three games for the Raiders last season and five games for the Dolphins this season. A California pilot forced to land a small plane in New Mexico because of mechanical problems has been arrested after authorities found nearly 118 pounds of marijuana. Roswell, New Mexico police say 37-year-old Michael Armando Teixeira of Gilroy is being held at the Chavez County Detention Center on suspicion of distribution of a controlled substance. It was unclear Tuesday if he has a lawyer yet. Teixeira landed at the Roswell International Air Center last Friday night. 
Federal Aviation Administration officials at the airport discovered that the plane didn't have a flight plan on file. Police got a search warrant after marijuana odor was detected. That led to the discovery of 117.9 pounds of high-grade marijuana packaged in several large bags inside the plane. Police say Teixeira isn't the registered owner of the aircraft. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Wednesday, November 30th, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Do you want to get in on the booming cannabis industry? With New Frontier Data, we give industry insiders the power of big data analytics to help navigate this rapidly growing and changing landscape. New Frontier's tools help you make critical decisions based on the facts. Our industry analyst reports reveal the best opportunities. Our custom research engagements deliver answers to the most difficult questions. And our cutting-edge big data platform, Equio, puts real-time information and answers you need right at your fingertips. Go to www.equio.io and sign up for your free membership today. That's EQUIO.io to sign up now. The power of real time big data is now in your hands. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild. It's time for cannabis facts about teen drug use from Robert Platchorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. A recent survey by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control indicates that in states that have legalized medical marijuana, the rate of marijuana consumption among high school students has not increased. In fact, in legal states like Colorado, teen use has actually decreased significantly. It's simply no longer a big deal for teenagers in legal states. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. The Russ Belleville Show, where the truth about marijuana gets more than a minute to speak. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today in the Cannabis Focus, we want to take a look at a piece in Rolling Stone magazine where editor Jan Wenner has interviewed Barack Obama, our president, as uh, he leaves the Oval Office. He's basically referring to it as the exit interview. And it was conducted the day after the election. So a lot of it uh, concentrates on uh, the incoming Trump administration, uh, disappointment in Hillary Clinton's loss and so forth. But there were two questions uh, asked of 
President Obama that directly had to do with the legalization of marijuana. And I just wanted to read them in their entirety. There's been a lot of reporting on these, but uh, just to give you the full gist of what's going on uh, in the president's own words. So the question was, you can now buy marijuana legally on the entire West Coast. So why are we still waging the war on drugs? It is a colossal failure. Why are we still dancing around the subject and making marijuana equivalent to a Schedule One drug? President Obama answers, look, I've been very clear about my belief that we should try to discourage substance abuse, and I am not somebody who believes that legalization is a panacea, but I do believe that treating this as a public health issue, the same way we do with cigarettes or alcohol, is the much smarter way to deal with it. Typically, how these classifications are changed are not done by presidential edict, but are done either legislatively or through the DEA. As you might imagine, the DEA, whose job it is historically to enforce drug laws, is not always going to be on the cutting edge about these issues. The next question, what about you? Are you going to get on the cutting edge? President Obama answers, look, I am now very much in lame duck status, and I will have the opportunity as a private citizen to describe where I think we need to go. But in light of these referenda passing, including in California, I've already said, and as I think I mentioned on Bill Maher's show, where he asked me about the same issue, that it is untenable over the long term for the Justice Department or the DEA to be enforcing a patchwork of laws where something that's legal in one state could get you a 20-year prison sentence in another. So this is a debate that is now ripe, much in the same way that we ended up making progress on same-sex marriage. There's something to this whole states being laboratories of democracy and an evolutionary approach. You now have about a fifth of the country where this is legal. So those are the the main points uh, President Obama wanted to make. Uh, My take on a couple of these, uh, again, he says how the classifications referring to marijuana being Schedule 1 are not done by presidential edict. He says typically... They're not done by presidential edict. And that's true, typically, because they've never been changed by presidential edict. We have had drugs that have been reclassified. Marinol is a classic example. It was originally Schedule 2, and then it was reclassified as Schedule 3, but that was done by the DEA. However, technically, President Obama could change this by presidential edict. Both he and the attorney general have the power. To reclassify on their just a, their own signature. So when he says typically, what he's referring to is the the political nature of changing these classifications, not the legal or statutory nature of changing these classifications. He could change it, but the political price would probably be too high to pay. However, if you're a lame duck president and you got nothing to lose with a Trump coming in, you might as well reclassify it, force Trump. To have to put weed back into Schedule 1. Like, deschedule it on your way out of office. Do like Governor Corzine did in New Jersey. And on the last day he was in office, he signed medical marijuana, made it legal, and then, you know, sat it on Chris Christie's lap. Uh, <laughs> so do the same thing, President Obama. On, the, on your last day in office, January 19th, by executive order, by whatever it has to, has to be done, take marijuana out of Schedule 1 and force the incoming administration to have to put it back into Schedule 1. And for them to have to explain why it has to be back into Schedule 1 to an American population 
where 89% of the people believe marijuana should be legal for medical purposes, where three out of five Americans, including those 29 electoral votes in Florida, like their legal medical marijuana, force them to have to be the bad guys on this issue. It's about time that Democrats started forcing things, right? Like playing hardball. This has been my biggest complaint all my political life about the left is this inability to take the game seriously and play it for keeps and force the other guys and and treat them like the enemy and force them into bad positions. All right, we're back with drug war data mining. Maui Wowie. Acapulco Gold, California Kush, our strains stretch everywhere too. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents the newest and greatest podcast in the galaxy, The Real Dirt with Chip Baker, your insider industry connection to accurate and entertaining information about cannabis technology, production, cultivation, and everything in between. Rolling joints and dropping knowledge about cannabis technology, production, cultivation, and everything in between. The future of legal cannabis has arrived, and we want to give you The Real Dirt with Chip Baker. Look for new episodes at CannabisRadio.com, TheRealDirt.com, or subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Cannabis legalization efforts are increasing competition for businesses wanting to make it big. In this complex and fast-changing environment, only the savviest will survive. What are you going to do to stay ahead of the game? Enter New Frontier's free platform, Equio the premier business intelligence, visualization, and marketing platform for the cannabis industry. With Equio, you can stay on top of your store sales, trends, and competition, better understand your seasonality and broader sales trends, identify and compare your top products and categories, and cross-buying opportunities. Go to www.equio.io to sign up for your free membership today. That's EQU. IO.io to sign up now. The power of real time big data is now in your hands. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild. I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Belleville Show. Keith Strop, the founder of Normal, is here. The single most important victory will be California. We've got Steve D'Angelo. Well, the state of cannabis affairs in California is in flux. The guru of ganja, Ed Rosenthal. It's uh, better for people to be using concentrates. Weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. Warning. Hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. Or at least they pay me to say that. A public service message from CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belleville Show. 
Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest growing business association in the fastest growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel One on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Today in the Drug War Data Mining uh, segment, I want to take a look at a piece on Forbes.com. It's entitled, More Americans Are Smoking Marijuana and Driving, But Identifying Them Is Tricky. And right off the bat, the title of it already gives me pause. If it's tricky to identify the people who are smoking and driving on pot, how much of a problem is it really? <laughs> it's like, gee, we, we can't tell if you're stoned. Uh, you're driving so well. <laughs> so here's the story. The basics of it is about the fight to try to create the marijuana breathalyzer. Uh, and not necessarily breath. It could be saliva or urine or blood or, I don't know, a, a laser they shine on you. I don't know. Uh, they're trying to find a magic number machine that can tell them it's okay to punish this pot smoker. That's what they want. It, for so long, and it's partially our fault. For so long, we said treat marijuana like alcohol, treat marijuana like alcohol. And they're saying, okay, where's the breathalyzer? Alcohol has a breathalyzer. It's funny how they, they're not so concerned about giving us bars and places to be able to consume publicly like alcohol, but boom, they jumped right to the breathalyzer. Uh, nevertheless, they talk about uh, Marilyn Huestis. Uh, she used to be uh, at the National Institutes of Drug Abuse. Now she's uh, involved in some of these companies, you know, consulting with them, trying to put together these uh, these special uh, marijuana breathalyzer type machines. And she does point out that there's just no good way to pull this off. And here's some of the data. Uh, first of all, the, some states use saliva tests. Uh, Australia is a country that uses saliva tests to detect recent use of marijuana. But THC and saliva doesn't correlate well with THC in the blood. And not to mention THC in the blood doesn't correlate well with impairment, right? So now you got a double does not correlate well. <laughs> and when you smoke marijuana or eat marijuana, the inside lining of your mouth gets higher THC levels than what is really going on in your body. You're kind of coated uh, with THC. So you take a swab, you know, just like if you, you know, you know how you, uh, you live in a house for a long time, you take a picture off the wall, you can see where the smoke is because the picture, you know, it's cleaner behind the picture. Same idea with your mouth. You're smoking weed. There's going to be this coating in your mouth and it's going to be much higher than what's really in your bloodstream so they say with that it might take two or three hours to come down to a level that's really matching what's in your blood so saliva is no good blood tests now we've got you know uh washington state five nanogram per se duid a lot of states that are zero tolerance when it comes to a blood test detecting active thc 
And we're talking about active THC here, folks, not the metabolites in a P-test in these examples. So the active THC, well, the problem there with the blood test is you typically don't get the blood test until an hour and a half to four hours after someone's been pulled over or after an accident has happened. Just in the time it takes to do the booking and the arrest and taking them down to the place and getting the warrant to be able to take the blood or getting the permission, whatever. All of that takes time. And then from 90 minutes to four hours later, well, your THC blood levels have dropped. So, again, Hastis, who, you know, worked with National Institutes of Drug Abuse, no, no fan of weed, says that those tests don't really tell you what was going on with the driver at the time they were driving either. And she says that uh, blood levels dropped well below the legal threshold uh, within three and a half hours of inhaling vaporized THC. So they're saying that, you know, this isn't going to be a good measure, a way to measure whether or not someone is impaired. Now, the drunken driving has declined. Drugged driving has increased, according to statistics from National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Every time they mention this, I always just want to point out, could that be correlative? Could there be fewer drunk drivers now because more people are smoking weed? And if the drug driving is going up less than the drunk driving is going down, isn't that a net benefit for society? Regardless, let's go on with the data. Um, they say uh, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration does surveys of roadside use where they collect data. And they found that in 2013, 1.5% of weekend drivers were at blood alcohol above the legal limit of 0.08. But that was an 80% drop since over the past four decades. So drunk driving has gone way down. Now, THC in their system, they didn't start measuring this until 2007. Now, 2007, they found 8.6% of the drivers on the weekend had THC in their system. By 2013, it was up to 12.6%. That's a jump of almost half. But the problem is, this survey is just looking for any THC in blood or saliva. So all they found out is that there's more pot smokers or pot smokers are smoking more often but not necessarily that we've got more impaired drivers on the road. And the thing that's most problematic about all of this is that overall traffic fatalities are down. The roadways are safer than they've ever been. So if the point is getting roadway safety and we're having safer roads, why is there this terrible concern about people that might be pot smokers getting behind the wheel. If we were any sort of massive danger to the public, we would have seen incredible increases in roadway deaths throughout the 60s and 70s. Pot smoking was more prevalent in 1979, far more prevalent in 79, than it was today. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Cannabis Chronicles are going to talk with Sarah Gullickson, the CEO and owner of DispensaryPermits.com. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. 
How high do you like your profit margin? Cannabisradio.com. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's orders. Less heat, more flavor. Tokers, there's no good reason to get your dog stoned. While it might not harm them physically... Imagine being a dog who already begs for treats all day, and then imagine that dog having the munchies. Not cool. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com, where we don't change our mind on decriminalization during an election year. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The law office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. Mark Twain once said that when there's a gold rush, it's a good time to be in the pick and shovel business. Today, we look at the rapidly evolving markets in the marijuana green rush in our Canna Business Chronicles. All right. Welcome back, everybody. It's 32 after the hour. We'll get to the Canna Business Chronicles. We're still trying to get Sarah Gullickson on the line. She's the CEO of DispensaryPermits.com. You can look them up on the web. They are helping people out getting their uh, retail cannabis businesses put together. And uh, we really want to be able to talk to her. But uh, the Google chat hasn't connected yet. She hasn't accepted the Google chat yet. So in the meantime, we will keep you entertained with another example of our anti-drug public service announcement of the day. I'm not saying he's a loser or anything. He's a dork. Dork! Yeah. I mean, no, we're not like, you know, we're having fun being cool. And he's a, uh, he's just in a different stuff. Well, I hang out with my friends mostly. Girls think I'm cool. <laughs> but he's, you know, I'm into sports. Well, I used to be into sports. But now, uh, yeah, chicks dig me. Well, I guess he has friends too. I like, I think having girlfriends is okay, but you know. We like to party, right? Guys like him, they don't like to party like we do. You know, we're having a lot of fun. Truth is, there's a million things to do that are more fun than sitting around getting stoned. Yeah, we like to party. Did I say that already? Think about it. This is a vial of crack. Rock cocaine. As you may have noticed, it doesn't come with a warning label. If it did, it might tell you that smoking crack affects the brain, the nervous system, the lungs, and the heart. 
He would also say that crack can kill you. The problem is, no one knows exactly how much it takes to do it. So every time you try it, it's a guessing game. And if you guess wrong with this stuff, you die. In the next few months, the motion picture industry and theater owners will be bringing you a series of messages like the one you just saw. I don't think anybody will miss the point. The thrill can kill. The drug dealers need to know that we want them out of our schools, neighborhoods, and our lives. And the only way to do that is to take the customers away from the product. Say no to drugs and say yes to life. Of course, your local drug pusher may tell you a little something different about these drugs. And who you believe is up to you. But then again, if you go ahead and try them, at least it won't be out of ignorance. Just stupidity. What would I do if someone offered me these drugs? I'd tell them to take a hike. This has been the anti-drug public service announcement of the day. To cure this sort of reefer madness, listen to the Russ Belville Show every weekday on 420radio.org. All right, folks, my apologies. Uh, it doesn't look like we're going to be able to get Sarah on the line, but uh, we'll get her rescheduled sometime in December. We'll talk to them at dispensarypermits.com. In the meantime, we're getting ready for our next guest coming up in our next segment, Government at Work. One of our favorites, John Hudak from the Brookings Institute. We're going to get deep into the politics of Donald Trump's selections of uh, Representative Tom Price for Health and Human Services and Senator Jeff Sessions for Attorney General. In the meantime, we've got this clip from the uh, Boston Freedom Rally this year. This is former NFL player Boo Williams, my interview with him on marijuana and football. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Good day, tokers and tokens and non-toking lovers of liberty. Radical Russ here. Day two of the 27th annual Boston Freedom Rally. We're here backstage at the main stage with Boo Williams. Played, what was it, five, six seasons in the NFL? I, I, I played six, man. I played yeah. six, with, uh, six with the New Orleans Saints. Right on, New Orleans Saints. And uh, you were up on stage emceeing. Made a couple references to your NFL career and how the players now are recognizing cannabis as something that can be very beneficial for the head trauma. Give give folks a little taste of what you're telling the folks. Man, the thing is with us athletes, we go through things that most people really don't understand what we go through. You know, we're all beat up and battered, and uh, we just need a little bit of relief. We really don't want to take the pharmaceutical way, but the only way, you know, they force us to do is the pharmaceutical way. So we're looking for more holistic, you know, uh, treatment, and cannabis is the really the only way to go. Because if you look at it, you know, athletes are coming up every other day with being tested for marijuana. But it, what people really didn't know was uh, only two sports that test for marijuana and publicly release your name is basketball and football. Yeah. But Major League Baseball and hockey and soccer, they don't expose your name or don't test for marijuana. Wow, that's fantastic news that we get to get these other sports leagues uh, example followed to the NFL and the NBA. Which yeah. is a good idea here. You know, it's it's always strikes me as funny. You know, we see these headlines of guys like 
Josh Gordon, you know, being sat out a season, gets reduced to 10 games. Vaughn Miller, Super Bowl 50 MVP, had to sit out four or six games. What do you think of the NFL's attitude toward this, and when are they going to change? Man, I think the NFL attitude towards uh, uh, athletes using cannabis is, is really in a negative way because if they really look at it, we really use it to medicate. You know, we go home, we really we, we, we need it to stop all the, the fast thinking that, that's going on throughout our day. We want to be able to stop, slow down, and be able to process what's going on. And cannabis really helps us in that way because we're usually going 100 miles per hour every day and you're being taught to not think, only just react. So sometimes you need that little cannabis to help you sit back, think, analyze things so you can be able to have a nice life. So not just a painkiller or against concussions, but also the mental aspect the of mental, it. Being able the mental. to slow things down. Yes, the mental aspect. And that's the thing that we want to do the most is slow down so we can be able to soak things in. Like this great cannabis freedom rally that we're Hell at. Yeah. You know, this is things that you soak up. And you go places like this and you really uh, you look at things like this and you say, man, wow, this is something that's special. But when you're playing professional sports, you're going so fast, you don't even get a chance to even uh, enjoy things like this. You know, people are getting more and more aware of the concussion issue and the CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Eugene Monroe from the Ravens just retired after seven years and asked if he'd let his son play football. He's like, I don't know anymore. Do you worry about the future of football as people get more aware of this? And do you think cannabis could save football? Man, you know what? Um, I, I say the same thing. You know, I talk to Eugene on a daily basis. Me and him are great friends. And um, I say the same thing. I don't know if I'm going to let my son play because, uh, you know, the game is just way much different than when we played it. It's a, it's a lot much safer, but at the same time, you have kids that are, that are bigger than me crashing into each other like cars yeah so there's really no in you know really way to, to end all the the, the the injuries that go on but the thing is if, if we put our kids in some different sports like basketball like golf like baseball some of these sports that are not contact sports you know we might be able to save some lives and then just like my slogan says on my my shirt saving lives and changing minds yeah people got to realize that a that a cam newton or a ben roethlisberger quarterback size now is what <laughs> offensive linemen used to be back in the day so yeah. it's 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 increased the speed and the size the mass the collisions it's just a, a whole different sport do you think there's things the nfl can do i mean i hear some old school guys say go back to the leather helmets what do you think <laughs> of that man you know what you cannot go back to the leather helmets but you know what i know some teams that are really taking this real this tactic and they're running off with it they're really bringing in rugby players to come and teach nfl guys how to tackle yeah because if you notice rugby guys don't tackle with their head hell no. They tackle with their shoulders, and they're very good at it. So they're bringing a lot of guys to show these guys a different way of, of, of tackling. But at the same time, when we're going at 100 miles per hour at opposite directions, you know, when we crash into each other, that's just something that just happens. Boo Williams, you got Boo Berry Cares on your yes. shirt here. Tell folks about Boo Berry. Man, Boo Berry Cares is my new athletic CBD line. I'm coming out with the rub. I'm coming out with the vape pen and the oil. And I'm coming out with CBD water, flavored water. So uh, this is, and, and it's also a brand that's heavily committed in the community. Uh, we're also on a tour right now. Uh, we're stopping in at the, the, the Freedom Rally, and I'm hosting. And this is kicking off the Boo Berry Cares tour. So from here, we're leaving to go into New York, and we're doing a lot of community service along the way. Children's hospitals, homeless shelters, and things of that nature. It's booberry, but bear spelled like a teddy bear, right? Boo, B-E-A-R-Y. 
and Booberry Cares. Is there a website, Facebook, that kind of stuff? Um, yes, you can go to our Facebook page, or you can just type in on Google. You can type in Booberry Cares, and everything will come up right under that. I'm just really blessed to be in a position where I can be manufacturing my own products and having the first athletic line that's out. And I'm hoping that, you know, the things, you know, that we're doing rubs off on America and and other people to where they can get out in the community, use that stage that you have, and and, and change others' lives. Boo Williams, thanks for speaking out and, uh, you know, trying to get some uh, care to the players. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, man, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. I'm just having a great time at the rally. And uh, like I said, I wish this could be every day. Right on, man. All right. Thank you much. Thank you. Seed to sale, clicks to conversions, and more. You're listening to the Cannabis Radio Network. Seeking a career in cannabis? Ready to become the next great bud tender? Increase your knowledge, skills, and higher ability with a Tricomb certification today. Tricomb Institute is the only cannabis education company in the world with courses that include textbooks, workbooks, an expert-approved and government-certified curriculum. Tricomb now offers these courses online. Take the courses at your own pace with 24-7 live human support from anywhere in the world. These courses are perfect for physicians, pharmacists, MMJ parents or patients, adult-use customers, and most of all, aspiring bud tenders. The course includes full access to the cannabis industry's largest job board and even includes resume building help. Register for online courses with the cannabis industry's educational leader in science, education, and training. Visit TricombInstitute.com today. Previously on the Stoner Jesus Show. I do have John McAfee. He's running for the Libertarian Party nomination for president. What makes <laughs> someone like you want to take the reins of this? We're so far behind, it's frightening. And in a cyber war, we can't hack into the Chinese. Back in 1979, they started building cyber defense systems. We didn't even think about it until 20 years ago. I've seen no candidates and certainly no one within government capable of dealing with this issue. The Stoner Jesus Show, live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Or find the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on demand at CannabisRadio.com and StonerJesus.net. Peace, bitches. Get the latest updates on The Russ Belleville Show by following Radical Russ on Twitter and liking The Russ Belleville Show on Facebook. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Reforming America's marijuana prohibition laws takes education, lobbying, and voting. From Washington, D.C. to your state capitol to your city hall, marijuana law reform involves all levels of civic life. Learn how you can make your impact with elected officials as we take a look at our government at work. All right, everyone. Welcome back. It's uh, 45 after the hour. And joining us for our government at work segment today, we've got John Hudak, a fellow at the Brookings Institute, an expert in marijuana policy. And uh, John, welcome back to the show. Glad to have you here. And uh, thanks for taking the call on short notice. 
Hey, Russ, as always, thanks a ton. Oh, yes. I, I was reading uh, Christopher Ingraham's piece in the Washington Post about the selection of Representative Tom Price for Health and Human Services. And uh, this one caught me off guard. I, I, I just barely recovered from Senator Sessions being picked for AG. Give our listeners a little bit of a rundown on this Representative Price and, and what his selection at HHS could mean for the marijuana industry. Well, Representative uh, Tom Price is a very conservative Republican congressman from Georgia. He's been in the U.S. House for a little over 10 years, and he is someone who has voted against even the most minor marijuana policy reforms that have come to a vote in the U.S. House. Uh, He is someone whose background is he's a surgeon, he's a physician, and it, by every measure, seems like the marijuana industry and the marijuana advocacy movement's worst nightmare to head HHS. Now, HHS, uh, Health and Human Services, uh, what uh, would they be controlling that could affect? I mean, people know about uh, Department of Treasury when it comes to uh, the banking situation. They know about DOJ when it comes to the DEA and raids and such. What would HHS impact? HHS is one of the largest cabinet departments in the United States, and under its purview is the FDA, is NIDA, and it controls uh, not just funding for marijuana research, but it controls one half of the decision-making over rescheduling. It is the health care conglomerate of the United States. And what President-elect Trump has chosen to do is put atop that agency a a doctor who seemingly is conservatively trained, and that's not from political ideology conservatism, but conservative about the practice of medicine, someone who by all accounts is an opponent of marijuana, and not just marijuana for recreational use, But marijuana for medical use, what he has voted against as a congressman, has been reforms oriented around medical marijuana. So we're not talking about someone who says, hey, you shouldn't use, I'm a doctor, you shouldn't use pot just for fun. This is someone who is voting against provisions that would help medical marijuana. And I think that that should be alarming, frankly, for uh, your community of listeners. This is not an advocate. This is not someone who is going to push policy forward in a reform direction. This is someone who thinks like the 1950s or 1960s or worse when it comes to marijuana. Mm, my goodness. Uh, I had opened the show by describing uh, uh, Senator Sessions as probably the top pot opponent in the Senate. Is it fair to call Price the top pot opponent in the House? Well, I don't know if I would go that far only because there's a lot of pot <laughs> opponents in the House. But he, he is he, he is certainly someone who is uh, is opposed to it pretty strongly. And I think if you combine with that, his medical training, you know, you could have a conversation with someone without medical training who you can say to them, listen, take a look at this medical evidence. Take a look at the research that's being done here in the United States, in Israel, in the UK and elsewhere, and and let it open your eyes. Mm. But I think what Dr. Price brings to the table is the ability to say, no, I'm a doctor. I don't believe in this. And to feel 
firm and strong in those convictions, whether you believe those convictions are right or wrong, this isn't someone who can say, well, I'm not a doctor. I, I, I guess I can be convinced on this. This is someone who can say, I am a doctor and I don't believe this. And clearly the evidence that is out there about the medical efficacy of cannabis is not convincing Tom Price. And it's not going, it didn't convince him as a congressman from Georgia. And I can't imagine it will convince him as the Secretary of Health and Human Services. Now, as people in my community are reviewing these selections, they keep pointing back to uh, Donald Trump on the campaign trail saying that uh, he thought legalization was a state's rights issue, laboratories of democracy, and that he was 100% behind medical marijuana. Uh, gosh, these picks almost seem as if maybe he was saying one thing and doing another. I, I can't imagine, John. Well, there, there's two approaches here. I, I, I think one is if you're going to take uh, Donald Trump's campaign promises at it, their word, uh, you're, you're probably new to politics <laughs> because uh, he, he, he's not someone who seems to be willing to commit to uh, campaign statements, past statements, marital vows, really anything that he has, has taken a stake in. But at the same time, if you want to take Donald Trump's words to heart, that he thinks this is a state's rights issue, that could be something that is appealing to uh, Tom Price, who has advocated for states' rights in certain contexts, for Jeff Sessions, who has also done the same. In reality, Tom Price and Jeff Sessions love states' rights as long as states' rights advance their pre-existing ideological beliefs. But there is an important silver lining here, and that is this. At the end of the day, if Tom Price is confirmed, if Jeff Sessions is confirmed, their boss is still the president of the United States. And if the president of the United States says, listen, I don't want to pick a fight with this community. Let's just let this be. I'd rather overturn Obamacare. I'd rather crack down on immigration. But just let's not waste our energy on marijuana policy. The president has the power to stop those appointees from chasing after that. I mean, look at Obama, for instance. Loretta Lynch is no, no you know, benefactor to the marijuana reform community. But the president has clearly laid out his vision, and it has kept Loretta Lynch from being ideologically opposed to reform. If, as President Trump can do that, it can rein in Sessions and Price. But if he just says, you know what, I don't care, you guys do whatever you want with this, it's going to be damnation for the industry. Well, let's look at what the damnation could include, at least coming from Health and Human Services. Uh, the quotes I saw from you in the post uh, brokered things like uh, Medicare and Medicaid uh, reimbursements being possibly withheld to physicians that recommend cannabis. Is, is, give us some of those nightmares that you can come up with. One of the things that, uh, a lot, that hold a lot of doctors back, and, and I think that is actually – largely misunderstood in the medical marijuana reform community, or at least among patients, there are doctors out there who, from a training point of view, from a medical research point of view, or even from an experience point of view, would be more than happy to recommend cannabis, but they belong to a hospital, or they belong to a doctor's group, or some other HMO, or some other kind of practice, that a general counsel steps in and says, you're absolutely not doing this. It puts everyone at risk. It creates tremendous liability. And then that's the end of the road. That's the answer that they have to take. 
It's true for hospitals. It's true for a variety of organizations because the bread and butter for a lot of doctors, for a lot of groups, and for a lot of hospitals is Medicare and Medicaid reimbursement. Well, as HHS Secretary, Tom Price can push that envelope. He can try to penalize individuals, groups, organizations, and hospitals if they recommend medical cannabis by saying, listen, this is an illegal substance, and you're violating federal law, and you're no longer entitled to federal benefits. It's not clear whether he will win on that if he were to do it, but it is a risk that doctors feel at their core. I mean, this is an existential, this is a financial issue for doctors. And if you start to uh, sort of sully those reimbursements, really put those in jeopardy, um, you can upend an entire system quite easily. Mm. How about on the FDA side, as far as, I mean, these states are you know, recommending or, or, or recognizing marijuana as a medicine and FDA has the purview over what's called medicine. What, what could they do in that regard? Well, in that regard, they can start suing companies or, uh, yeah, I mean, mostly companies, but any group that claims that marijuana is medicine. Medicine is actually something that has a unique definition uh, it, according to the federal government, and that is it's not medicine unless the government says it's medicine. So if something has not been proven to have efficacy, if it has not been proven to show that it has therapeutic benefit for a given condition, no one is allowed to say that it does. And if you find out that medical marijuana dispensaries say, hey, this strain helps with epilepsy or this strain helps boost your appetite if you have clinical anorexia from end-stage AIDS or chemotherapy, or if you say this strain helps with glaucoma, you are violating what the FDA considers policy, and they can crack down on that. And I think this, this claim of marijuana is medicine makes sense to a lot of patients. Uh, it frankly makes sense to a lot of non-patients, but it doesn't make sense to FDA. And as the head of HHS, the head of FDA is his subordinate. And I think there are a multitude of opportunities that the new administration will have, not necessarily to win on everything they try to do to affect the marijuana industry and the advocacy community, but they're going to get some wins if they want them. And what it means is the landscape for policy here on out is uncertain. And uncertainty is always a bad thing for public policy. Mm. We've got about 90 more seconds with you, John Hudak from Brookings Institute. Uh, one of the rejoinders I get from people is, yeah, but we've got eight states now legal. We've got 28 medical. There's so much money being made. The states won't want the feds interfering. Do you think there's an economic argument to Trump keeping hands off? There's an economic argument for Trump to keep hands off. I think that argument works very strongly with him as a businessman. I don't think it works with Jeff Sessions. I don't think it works with Tom Price. If it did, then you would see them as supporters of the Affordable Care Act, which has absolutely exploded the revenues of the healthcare industry right now. But Donald Trump, oddly, is going to be, um, have the opportunity to be the savior here because he thinks in terms of dollars and cents and Price and Sessions do not. And so, I mean, like I said, oddly, people might end up seeing Donald Trump is the saving grace protecting 
the industry from the appointees who he ended up selecting. <laughs> well, that would fit in his uh, reality TV show persona to create the foil, you know, create the heel and then be the good guy that comes in and saves the day. <laughs> John Hudak from Brookings, I want to thank you for joining us. And uh, do you have a, a, any website or, or book or anything you'd like to tell our, our listeners about before you go? Absolutely. You can uh, read all of our research, mine and my colleagues, at the, our website, brookings.edu. And I encourage everyone to buy my new book, Marijuana, A Short History, available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and at the Brookings Press website. Fantastic. Brookings.edu. Check it out. John, thanks again for joining us, and uh, have yourself a great time out here on the West Coast. Thanks a lot, Russ. All right. That's all the time we got for Hour 1, but stay tuned in Hour 2. We, we got a note back from uh, Sarah Gullickson. We're going to have her back on uh, after our safety briefing, so uh, that'll be good. We'll learn more about dispensarypermits.com. Also coming up in Hour 2, I got to talk about Goldilocks. I'm telling you, marijuana industry, you better legalize and put your money around to legalize as much as possible because Goldilocks is coming. I'll tell you who Goldilocks is when we get back. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us, and until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Now, it's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. Where you can toke. I inhale. Uh, or you can talk. Or you can toke and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard have a ball live from beautiful Portland, oregon at rolla j studios plus your calls live at 971-533-7111 they're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards listen to enema man and snoopy snoopy poop dog what's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel gateway theory doesn't work it's a reality Holland, is it real? Don't tease me. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of Gonta Graphics, the sultan of Sativa Statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. It's time for Toker Talk Radio. Glad to have you here. I'm Radical Russ, live and direct from beautiful legal potland, Oregon. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, boy. Now I've done it. Now I've ruined everything. 
<laughs> and stop fooling around with stuff here on the show. Doggone it. Nobody can hear me at this point because I just ruined everything. I ruined Christmas. What must I do to get us back? Oh, my gosh. Is there any hope? Is there any hope for recovering the sound? Please come back. Oh, now I've done it. Now I've done it. I've ruined everything. I've ruined everything. Come back. Come back. Oh, my gosh. All right. We're going to shut down here for a second. The software is messed up. All right. You could, oh, you could hear me, huh? Oh, well, I'm back. And uh, we'll see if we can get this uh, cable output to work the way I'm expecting it to because uh, we're having all sorts of problems with the software here lately. And I don't know why, but uh, I am trying to get that fixed. Let's see if the sound is the way it should be. No, I'm not hearing. Oh, I've got to put that on. There we go. There we go. There we go. We're back. Sorry about that. Uh, well, when the president does it, that means that it is not illegal. All right. So we're back. Uh, sorry for the technical problems, people. I, uh, things happen. Uh, coming up in this uh, second hour, uh, we've got Sarah Gullickson, uh, CEO of dispensarypermits.com. Uh, she'll be joining us. Also, coming up in the next segment, Got to tell you about Goldilocks. I got to tell you why it is imperative that the marijuana industry start shoveling metric buttloads of cash at the reform movement. Not for 2020. I'm talking 2018. It's time to get as much legalization. They got to be funneling $3 million to Michigan right now. You got to funnel another million dollars to Missouri right now. You only need to throw about 200,000 over to Idaho to get something done. Get some money over to Wyoming, another 200K there. I'm serious about this. We've got to get as much legalized as fast as possible. I'm going to tell you why in the next segment. Also, uh, coming up on the show, we'll have more to discuss on the uh, Trump administration and his uh, nomination of Representative Price. Oh, my God. I, I like John Hudak's point, though. Like, to say that Price is the worst uh, pot guy in the House is tough because there's a lot of really bad pot guys in the House. <laughs> really, really bad. Um, the other thing that I thought was cool um, uh, was the discovery that uh, Loretta Lynn has smoked pot. Uh, Loretta Lynn, you may remember her uh, from the... If you're a country fan, I mean, I grew up as uh, the son of a country musician, so uh, it's always very cool to me. Of course, I always remember her uh, biggest hit. Butcher Holler. That's right. Loretta Lynn, coal miner's daughter, uh, 84 years old and just six months ago, smoked pot for the first time in her life. And uh, she's got glaucoma. And so she tried it for the glaucoma and she she didn't like it. She said it hit hit her right in the chest. She thought she was to die. Uh, Loretta, if you're listening, I know you are right. Willie, if you're listening, tell Loretta (laughs) that uh, uh, you don't have to smoke it, darling. You don't. In fact, 84-year-old first-timer, you shouldn't be trying to smoke weed. You should be trying to vaporize it. Talk to Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi, if you're listening, Whoopi, take her a little sippy pen. Let's get Loretta Lynn a little sippy pen. 
uh, LV Musica. Let's get her in touch with LV Musica. She's been dealing with glaucoma for decades now using cannabis. Uh, let's let's keep Loretta Lynn on our side. I hate for her to have that bad experience and then uh, and then think, you know, oh, this isn't for me and it'll never help. And just let the glaucoma get me. No, no. Keep your sight. Keep your sight, Loretta Lynn. And uh, get yourself some uh, get yourself some vaporization in your life. That'll help out. That's what you need. That is one of the, the things I worry about is as marijuana is more and more legalized and more and more medicalized, some of these older folks that have never tried it thinking it's still pot smoking, right? It's still smoking joints and trying to smoke a joint. And then, you know, smoking's hard. It's not natural for your body to want to smoke stuff. So um, educate. Check out thesilvertour.org. Should grandma smoke pot? There's a great infomercial to send to the seniors in your life so that they can know it's not about nasty old joints anymore. It's about healing arthritic joints. All right, we're back with Goldilocks right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Every strain, every sale, every medical study. Keep it right here on the Cannabis Radio Network. Do you want to get in on the booming cannabis industry? With New Frontier Data, we give industry insiders the power of big data analytics to help navigate this rapidly growing and changing landscape. New Frontier's tools help you make critical decisions based on the facts. Our industry analyst reports reveal the best opportunities, our custom research engagements deliver answers to the most difficult questions, and our cutting-edge big data platform, Equio, puts real-time information and answers you need right at your fingertips. Go to www.equio.io and sign up for your free membership today. That's eqio.io to sign up now. The power of real-time big data is now in your hands. Run with New Frontier and let us help you build. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. My guests say Razzy Berry. We're talking about nature, naturopathic medicine, as well as the concept of prevention and preventing disease. Empower people to live a naturopathic lifestyle. Get to know your body, understand its rhythms, remove toxins, and use natural alternatives whenever possible. 90 to 95% of cancers are due to environment and lifestyle risk factors. I mean, that's a huge number. That means that cancer is preventable. The concierge for better living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. You can find Radical Russ online everywhere. Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, SoundCloud, Snapchat, LinkedIn, and Boise State University's 2400 baud modem bulletin board system from 1985. 
Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. Remember, friends, there's more to life than marijuana. I just can't remember what it is. Why'd I come in here? This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. Almost 11 after the hour, and uh, I found this article up on USA Today uh, written by Bo Kilmer. Kilmer's a public policy guy. We've uh, talked to him before. We've uh, analyzed a lot of his work before. And uh, this article on USA Today is entitled The Legal Marijuana Middle Ground. As soon as I saw the title, I knew exactly what it was all about. And it's something that has been proposed by Kevin Sabet ever since 2012. This has been a four-year plan. And it's because... Folks, don't think that prohibitionists are stupid. They know that marijuana is increasingly popular and more and more people want to legalize it and that prohibition is not working, right? All the way back in 2012, Kevin Sabet outlined this so-called third way, which is, I call it the Goldilocks treatment for marijuana. And it goes like this. You know the story of Goldilocks, right? Oh, this bed's too hard. Oh, this bed's too soft. Oh, this bed's just right. Right? You know the old story. Well, it's the same thing when it comes to public policy, right? They want to play this game where marijuana was first treated too hard. Prohibition is too hard. Locking people up for weed. Why? That's too hard. Ruining their lives. That's too hard. But then now that legalization has happened... And we've got this commercial market for marijuana. Oh, no, 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 no. That's too soft. Oh, that's way too soft. Now we've got these businesses that make money on getting people high and they're going to addict our kids. And oh, no, that's too soft. So they want to throw this new middle way stuff at you. This Goldilocks solution that's just right. It's it doesn't punish cannabis consumers too much. It punishes cannabis consumers just enough, just enough, right? So here's some of the stuff that he's suggesting in this. Uh, First of all, he opens up by noting, you know, how popular marijuana has been in the past election and, you know, that we uh, got California legalized and so forth. And his subtitle is states are the laboratories of democracy. So let them experiment. So he points out the arc of medical marijuana, which started off in California with a very, very lax system. Basically, legalization with a doctor's permission note is is basically what it was, other than the fact they could still search you and arrest you and so forth. Uh, And then he points out that the the, the states that followed in the West still had home grow, but they came up with condition lists. And then others, like Massachusetts and New York, have very strict condition lists and you know some of them require doctors to register and some of them don't even let you have actual plant marijuana right you can only have non-smoked forms so he points that out now he he doesn't mention the reason why that happened 
And the reason why that happened is because the states in the West have the initiative power and the people can write the medical marijuana law. States back east that have all these restrictive laws don't have the initiative power. So these politicians who are in the pockets of big pharma can quite easily write these laws that are so restrictive that they're ineffective for the vast majority of patients. But they can they can get the medical marijuana albatross off their uh, off around their neck and uh, and say, oh, yeah, we did something about medical marijuana. We, we did that. We took care of that. So he asks, will the story be the same with non-medical marijuana? He points out that the eight states that have already passed uh, legalization are are for profit industries that treat marijuana as a commodity like alcohol. And will other states follow that lead? Well, I think not. Because other states don't have the initiative power. I think other states are likely to not follow the lead because they'll be pressured by, again, pharmaceutical industry, alcohol industry in some of these states. Massachusetts already had, you know, uh, brewers packs and distributors that were giving money to fight legalization. They're going to continue to give money to the politicians to try to regulate and restrict this in such a way as to make it as unpalatable to our side as possible. You can bet that's what's going to happen in the states that don't have initiatives. So, again, he he points out that the debate about his his quote from uh, Bo Kilmer's piece in USA Today. To date, the debate about non-medical marijuana in the United States is focused on a false dichotomy. Marijuana supply is either completely prohibited or it is regulated like the commercial alcohol model in this country. Now, here's where I get upset about the false dichotomy charge. The false dichotomy that he's pointing out is a straw man false dichotomy. It's not the marijuana supply that's the issue here. It's whether or not we're punishing marijuana consumers for consuming something that's safer than alcohol. It's the fact that we have a recognition in this country that alcohol is a legal product that people can buy and sell and have companies for and profit from and advertise and consume publicly. And then we have a separate and unequal treatment for the people that smoke marijuana, despite the fact that it's a safer substance. There's no logical reason to treat marijuana more harshly than alcohol. If you're talking about the public health and, oh, my gosh, we'll have companies that are benefiting and they always go back and say, well, look at the alcohol industry. They know that uh, 20 percent of the drinkers are what uh, give them 80 percent of their profits. All right. Go after them. Propose for the alcohol industry the same kind of proposals you're making for the marijuana industry. Let me give you some of them. He says uh, we could have a uh, where is it? Let's see. And he even says, yeah, the. If the marijuana businesses end up following the lead of alcohol companies, they will work hard to create and maintain heavy users since they account for the vast majority of sales. The problem is we know what the problem is if we have a whole bunch of heavy alcohol users, cirrhosis, drunk driving, spousal abuse, and death. Those are the consequences to society if we maximize the number of heavy alcohol users. What are the consequences to society of maximizing the heavy cannabis users? They're not as bad as the alcohol ones, are they? I can't even think of what they might be other than maybe way too many jam bands. So 
What are the alternatives? He says one middle ground option is to allow home production and let growers to give it away. That's the grow and give model. Another one he uh, uh, put points out is the uh, the co-op model. We could have a co-op where members grow, share, and trade. Uh, we could have uh, the government limiting production and distribution to a government monopoly. You know, the state liquor store model. Um, what else could we have? Uh, nonprofit organizations, he says. Um, what else do we got? Uh, well, whatever they are, let's try that with alcohol. How about we propose that for alcohol? That that alcohol all has to uh, uh, be, you can brew your own beer and you can share it with your friends, but there's no bars and there's no places to go buy alcohol. Why, why don't we do that? That would give so much more benefit to the public health than proposing that for marijuana. Oh, we can't because alcohol's already there. We can't because alcohol's got a history. We can't because it's not politically possible. No, what you're saying is, we can't because culture. Because that's what this really comes down to is a culture war. And you're the dominant culture and your drug is alcohol. And so you're not going to do a damn thing about it. You're not going to ever propose the types of measures and punishments and limitations you propose for marijuana as for alcohol because it's your drug. It's the drug you like. It's your culture. Our culture is smaller and weaker and newer and so you can pick on us and, and have different rules for us and treat us worse, even though our drug is objectively safer. That's what this is all about, Bo. Hey, bud. <laughs> Let's party. <laughs> I just, uh, happy 420. <laughs> I'll try to stay happy. Happy 420, but man, I am tired of being treated, discriminated against, because I made a smart decision that I chose cannabis rather than choosing pharmaceuticals or alcohol on a consistent basis. Society shouldn't punish safer choices. We have your smoking section right here. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. While the feds and state are doing their dance, you still need to transact business and manage your cash. Go professional and let your customers pay with PayQuick. They pay you and they earn rewards points. PayQuick connects to your bank account for free and secures all of your transactions. And with PayQuick, you can pay your producers and processors for free. Plus, it pays to have it because it makes depositing your cash safe and so easy. No cops, no crooks, just compliance and comfort, knowing you have your cannabis business in check with PayQuick. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Normal stands for Responsible Adult Cannabis Use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks are far less than those posed by legal drugs. The Russ Belleville Show, where the truth about marijuana gets more than a minute to speak. 
The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Pod 2.0. It's not your father's Woodstock weed. <laughs> this is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. It's uh, about 23 after the hour, and uh, we... We finally got a hold of Sarah Gullickson. She's the CEO of DispensaryPermits.com, and uh, we were going to have her on in hour one. We got our wires crossed, but now everything's good, and uh, I can see you on video call there, Sarah. Looks like you're someplace nice and warm. I am. I am actually in Thailand on holiday. Oh, my goodness. Out in Thailand on holiday, and uh, next week I'm headed to Jamaica on holiday, so uh, I'll get my... uh, warm weather clothes out as well but uh thank you for calling us uh all the way from thailand absolutely um there's a lot going on in the industry even internationally so it's kind of fun to see um you know all the different happenings so uh we know that you're here with dispensarypermits.com but give us a little bit of your background uh generally speaking how did you get to the industry and and what are you doing now Great. Yeah. I started in the industry about seven years ago, um, actually when Arizona was putting together their medical process. And so prior to being in the cannabis industry, I had a small advertising agency. And so I helped spa salons and health facilities with their branding and marketing needs. And a cannabis company approached me and asked if I was interested at all. Um, I've always kind of been a little bit of a creative thinker and, you know, operated outside of the box. And so I was super interested in the opportunity. Um, after I branded that company and kind of got them up and running, you know, it was back in the day when consultants didn't really exist in the, in the industry. And um, about a year later, after helping them, I, I realized that I knew a lot about the application process. And um, at that point, I'd been through three application processes and we had had some success. And so I, um, you know, just ventured and jumped into the industry pretty much full-time at that point um, and have been doing applications ever since. I've participated in now 12 state processes. I've had success in 10, and Maryland is announcing their winners um, in, on uh, December 9th, I believe. So we'll, we anticipate success in Maryland as well. So it's um, been a wild ride, but it's exciting to see the industry evolve. And, um, you know, two, two, three weeks ago with the election, um, big things are on the horizon. All right. Well, it sounds like you've definitely got a strong background in, in this. And, and I tell you, the paperwork and the headaches uh, people have trying to get their retail cannabis business off the ground can be just enormous. You said you had uh, you've been applying in twelve different states. Uh, wh- what are the, some of the hardest states to apply in? So our most recent success was in Hawaii, and, and that was a very very rigorous process. And um, not only did they put together a really strict program with a high barrier to entry, and um, they had a, a strong vetting program, and then there were only eight licenses available. So when there's small amount of licenses available, it obviously becomes that much more competitive. So there are about 66 applicants um, that applied for the eight licenses, and we were able to help a client obtain one of those. Um, and it was 
it was pretty rigorous. We got called in about 30 days before the application and it was pretty much working around the clock. So uh, it sounds like Woody Harrelson should have given you a call. Yeah, I think maybe <laughs> that would have been that would have been pretty cool. <laughs> Woody, if you're listening, we'll we'll send you we'll send you the contact information. It's Sarah Gullickson here, <laughs> CEO of DispensaryPermits.com. So Hawaii was tough. You mentioned Maryland. We had recently uh, discussed in the news how they were having some controversy over uh, diversity and and uh, trying to fulfill some of those requirements. Uh, give us your take on that part of the process. Is it seems to me that's going to become a bigger and bigger issue as we move forward in these states. It is. And it's, I think, a challenge in any new industry. And so, you know, what everybody's kind of looking at is is not taking the industry away from, you know, white men, but, you know, to make sure that there are women-ran businesses, that that, that minorities do have a piece in this. Um, and so Maryland did a really good job with, um, you know, requesting that you were a business um, and were a minority. And um, I know that some people are very upset right now and, um, you know, suing the state on kind of their decision. But realistically, I think that it's a a strong move for the industry. We need to have um, professionals with all different types of backgrounds and ethnicities, um, and male and female included. Um, It will not only improve the industry, but it will, you know, add a variety to the industry as well. So we're we're seeing that happen in Pennsylvania right now as well. And so we actually have to put together an entire uh, diversity plan to tell how we will be not only hiring a diverse staff, um, you have an option to apply as a woman-run or minority-ran business, and then they're actually asking you for any of your contractors to either work with a minority-ran um, business in that way um, or else put some sort of a clause in your um, agreement with them saying that, you know, they'll they'll do their best to, you know, have a diverse, uh, you know, diverse group working on whatever project you have them working on. Hmm, that's fantastic. And, you know, something we could do as we're getting these laws passed, too, is they, they oftentimes contain these clauses about you can't get a license if you were previously convicted. Well, who mostly got previously convicted? Minorities. So, yeah, we got to do better in that regard. Now, uh, Sarah, I'm also uh, curious. You said 12 uh, states that you've been working in. We've got eight of these states now that are legal they, that started as medical states. How many of those states had you been working in and has legalization cause there to be any massive difference in what you do? You know, I strictly focus right now in the medical markets and it, it's, it's my bread and butter. I have a lot of um, intellectual property that's wrapped around, you know, what the medical director does and, you know, how to educate patients and how to educate employees. Um, it's not that I don't believe in recreational use, but a lot of the application processes um, require that type of content. Um, it's what I've been doing for the last seven years. So I'm, you know, an expert at that. Um, it's not that I can't help a client put together a recreational application, but usually the recreational applications are a lot less rigorous. And they're also usually in states that already have cannabis. And so that, that means that there's already talent within the state. A lot of what I do is coming into an industry that's new and nascent and educating you know, a group of individuals that have no idea about cannabis. Mm. So to go into a state that already has programs, um, there's already a lot of local talent there. And I believe in obviously supporting local when you can. Okay, so it's not as if, uh, you know, when, say, you know, Nevada adds legalization and they had medical before, you're not seeing more people run to the legalization side or more problems on the medical side? It it doesn't really seem to have an effect? I I don't think enough states have gone to say that we're going to have problems or that there's going to 
significant effect. I think that, you know, there were more states that were passed in the last couple of weeks. Um, what that means is a lot of the um, licensees that have medical permits are interested in potentially keeping their medical license and having a recreational license as well. Um, and so I know a lot of my clients that I was successful with in Nevada um, when we were at the trade show a couple of weeks ago, we were meeting about, you know, how we could um you know, potentially go after some of those recreational licenses when they're available. But um, there's a lot of work that needs to be done between now and then. Um, so the programs have to be put together. The, the administration from the government has to be put together. A lot of the recreational states are putting together a task force and, and um, you know, different kind of management groups within the departments to actually run the uh, cannabis program effectively. So we're going to see a lot of um, changes happen over the next year. But uh, again, these programs take a lot of time. We're speaking with Sarah Gullickson. She's the CEO of DispensaryPermits.com. And we've got a question from our live chat room. We were just discussing the uh, the issue of minority involvement and diversity in the industry. And uh, my listener wants to know about uh, these, these non-refundable application fees, sometimes in the six figures, uh, how that might be impacting uh, the, the diversity movement in, in this industry and, and, and what we can do about you know, in the future, maybe keep keeping those fees a little lower. You know, for, for the $5,000 non-refundable application fee in the grand scheme of things, that's, that's very fair. Um, the department has to put together an administration. They have to grade these applications. They have to answer questions. It's, it's a very rigorous process and it takes a lot of um, financial, you know, it takes a lot of basically money to get these programs going. However, with that said, there's there's many, many, many places in the industry that you can get involved without applying for a license. Um, and what we are seeing in, in more of the recreational markets is um, a lower barrier to entry and then different types of licensing. So, um, you know, some of the new state processes have seven types of licenses versus one, two, or three, meaning cultivation production um, or dispensary. So, um, you know, as the industry evolves, there's there's definitely going to be more opportunity to get involved. However, I would not get discouraged. There is more opportunity in this industry than probably any of the other industries in the United States right now. It just takes uh, a creative thinker and somebody's willing that's uh, or somebody willing to work really, really hard. Well, it looks like <laughs> and educate themselves. It looks like you've been working really, really hard. And uh, dispensarypermits.com is the website. Let's talk about that a little bit. What what exactly are people getting out of that? What do they need to bring to the table if they're going to uh, get the most out of your services. Uh, absolutely. So uh, we're more of a boutique agency. So in any state process, uh, we'll take one or two custom clients and really focus our efforts on on uh, putting together their application. However, um, since the industry is expanding and evolving, we've decided to launch our business templates online. And so we have business templates that people can purchase from anywhere from four hundred to nine hundred dollars. And there's you know business planning tools, financial performers, cultivation plans, inventory control plans. And so we like to tell people that if they are interested in the industry, you know, download the business plan, see if you can put it together, read it and really understand what this business venture includes. Um, it is a large undertaking. And so a lot of times we like to put people over to the website so that they can do their due diligence. We have all of the information on each state process, whether it's medical, recreational, what the barrier to entry is. And so uh, dispensarypermits.com is really just a wealth of information 
uh, for people that are looking to get involved in the industry. Um, and again, we have those tools that people can kind of do it themselves um, and put those plans together in, in whatever state they're interested in. Um, and if they need a little help, we, of course, will we'll, um, help them out. And uh, can they find all the contact info they need there on dispensarypermits.com or do you have other emails or stuff you want to give out? Absolutely. Um, they can always uh, email at info at dispensarypermits.com. It's not my direct email, but I'm constantly monitoring it. Um, if there's any questions, we're more than happy to help. Um, and then, you know, all the other contact information, Facebook, Twitter, and our um, direct uh, telephone line is on the website as well at dispensarypermits.com. All right. And before I let you go, uh, Sarah, what time is it in Thailand? You know what? You caught me at a really good time. It's it's 7.34 a.m. Oh, my goodness. So you got up early in the morning to talk to us on what looks to be a beautiful day there in Thailand. I appreciate you joining us. And uh, yes. thanks for sticking with us. Even though we couldn't get you in the first hour, we managed to get you here and actually talk longer than we could have in the first hour. So maybe it worked out. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. All right. Have a good day. And uh, thanks for your uh, work there at dispensarypermits.com, helping people out, uh, getting themselves uh, a dispensary permit. We appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, folks. Stay tuned. We're going to continue on here in hour two. And uh, coming up, we'll discuss more on the latest news of Representative Tom Price being appointed or nominated for the head of health of health and human services. Oh, the nightmare just gets richer and deeper, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm Radical Russ, live in beautiful legal potland, Oregon, coming to you from Delta 9 Studios. We'll be back right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Earn your Ph.D. in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. Everyone deserves the medicine they need. Aaron's premium CBD essentials and CBD nectar products are made from plant-based organic ingredients grown and processed in the United States. Our unique formula of coconut oil and coconut water infused with CBD oil is ideal for all skin types and provides maximum relief. Aaron's Essentials was formulated by 9-11 first responder and stage 4 cancer survivor Aaron Sieber. As a cannabis connoisseur, Aaron began making and using his own lab-tested medicinal cannabis products to help relieve the side effects of his rigorous cancer treatments. Visit www.cannosaurbrands.com for more information on Aaron's Essentials and learn how you can pay it forward. That's C-A-N-N-A-I-S-S-E-U-R-Brands.com. Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. You know, during Dance with the Stars, I started feeling discomfort. Yeah. And not only that, I was doing these old man smells. It was kind of embarrassing because, you know, the, all the Dancing with the Stars crew, the cast and crew, you know, they were all young kids. Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden, this old guy would come along and do one of those silent farts, you know, that you don't know you're doing it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you smell, and everybody go, what the hell smells? And, you know, and you know it was me. And, and so I'd scurry off to the bathroom, you know, and that's when I knew that there was something wrong. The Tommy Chong Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world.
The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com, the national wildlife refuge for marijuana unicorns. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The law office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. Pod 2.0. It's not your father's Woodstock weed. <laughs> this is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. All right. Welcome back, everybody. And uh, continuing on with some uh, breaking news. Just pulled this one off of the newswire coming from... Uh, Las Vegas now, uh, Channel 8 in Las Vegas. Bill drafted to keep marijuana sales out of the black market. Uh, I'll, I'll give you the too long don't read version. It's uh, They're going to do Oregon style early sales in Nevada. That's right. Uh, according to the story, in one month, marijuana will be legal for adults 21 and over in Nevada. But there's one problem. Come January 1st, unless you have a medical marijuana card, there's nowhere to legally buy it. Lawmakers will try to prevent people from turning to the black market. They're turning to other states that have dealt with the issue. And basically, uh, State Senator Tick Siegerblom uh, from Las Vegas, he's been on the show. We've talked to him a couple times. Uh, he and some other Nevada lawmakers went to Portland and talked to some of our lawmakers. And they're going to do similar to what Oregon did and try to pass a bill to allow early sales at the medical dispensaries. And basically, it'd be what we did here in Oregon. We were legal in Oregon on July 1st, 2015. Our legislature passed a bill that said on October 1st, you could shop if you're 21 and over, you could shop at the medical shops. And uh, so long as they charged you, there was like a special 25% tax, but you could shop at the medical shops. Now, they limited it to just a quarter ounce of flour. You couldn't get edibles. You couldn't get tinctures. You couldn't get uh, uh, shatter, anything like that. You could only get a quarter ounce of flour. The idea being we didn't want to you know, run out of stock for the medical users, right? But the idea, of course, and this was proposed by one of our like Republican pot-hating type senators uh, who proposed this. He said, well, if we don't, it's going to be 18 months before there's anyone to shop, anywhere to shop. They're either going to cross the river into Vancouver and buy it there in Washington state, or they're going to buy it from the black market. And all we're doing is we're subsidizing the black market. So this Republican lawmaker in Oregon passed, helped pass this bill and, and got the early sales going. And that brought in millions of dollars of tax revenue. Oregon's making $4 million a month. And we have yet to open our – well, I think we've got our first rec licensed stores open now. Uh, but not a whole ton of them yet. There's still a lot, of, a lot of them that are still medical dispensaries that are phasing out as of this last month. According to Siegerblom, with their tourist economy and with the dispensaries they've already got in Las Vegas and other places, he thinks we could bring in $100 million in the, in the first year from early sales before they managed to get the licenses for the recreational places. And uh, the early sales bill in Nevada 
They don't have a a, a, a uh, they don't have a date yet for it because he's still drafting the bill and they still got to, you know, put it in and all, all that stuff. But basically, it would uh, they'd have a temporary tax, 15 to 20 percent to anyone without a medical marijuana card. And it would be at these, you know, you'd go to the medical marijuana dispensaries to buy your weed. Now, the medical marijuana dispensaries are the only places that can apply for recreational licenses up until. July 1st of 2018. So what's happening here in Nevada, what, what looks like is going to happen in Nevada is, is similar to what has happened in Oregon. And I think this could be the model for existing medical states to move into, at least the ones that have robust dispensary systems. And that is let the, the rec people start shopping at the medical dispensaries. Let the medical dispensaries have first shot at getting the rec licenses and eventually, this all works out to being a system where we have one pot shop for everybody governed by one agency in the government. Well, maybe. OK, so let's let agriculture handle the cultivation and then we'll let the cannabis bureau handle the rest. But whatever. Instead of trying to have this lunacy like that they have in Colorado of having two completely separate systems. That's just madness. It is insane to have a building where you walk in and half the building is medical and half the building is recreational. And if you're wrecked, by God, you got to stay on that side of the line. You can only buy the weed that's on that side of the line. You can't get on that side of the line where all the medical people are standing because uh, um, it's different. That's just insane. That's that's wasting government money by having two different uh, uh, systems to have to deal with. No, no, let's just let this evolve to the way it should have always been, which is marijuana is legal for everyone. And since there's still prohibition other places, there's going to be limitations on it. But those limitations should be waived for the people with severe medical need. That's that's the direction this needs to go. Have the medical dispensary evolve into allowing the rec customers in. Let the dispensaries get the first ones to get the rec licenses have there be some sort of designation that says a dispensary has, you know, or, or just let all the dispensaries be able to sell to medical patients tax-free, tax-free and, and higher limits or no limits, whatever it has to be. I, I just, it gets frustrating sometimes because it seems like it ends up being harder than it needs to be. You know, it's like, why are we reinventing the wheel on a lot of this stuff? We've already dealt with intoxicating recreational substances. We, we've dealt with the worst one, alcohol, intoxicating recreational substance. We've dealt with it. We've dealt with things that are smelly, annoying, and possibly carcinogenic, uh, smoky things, cigars, cigarettes, pipes. We've, we've dealt with it. We got rules and mores and culture around it. So, so why does this have to be so difficult? Why does it, why does cannabis, why, why do we have to have the Bo Kilmers of the world and the, and the Mark Clymans of the world? Oh my God, we've got to come up with a whole new way to, to minimize the harm from this terrible, terrible drug. Never mind the tobacco and the alcohol and the pharmaceuticals and all of that, right? Look, as far as I'm concerned, there's a certain amount of harm that you have to accept in the world. You know, I, I, and I, I, I guess this, you know, gets back to my 
Idaho roots or whatever, but I think sometimes there's there's too much trying to nerf the world. Too much trying to nerf the world, trying to make it safe and nobody ever dies and nobody ever gets hurt and nobody ever gets offended. And I think that's possible, but every inch that you move on that number line toward zero is an inch farther away you move away from freedom. And that's that's where this we have this balancing act we have to how safe do we want to be versus how free do we want to be? I mean, we could eliminate a whole bunch of deaths if we prohibited alcohol and tobacco. We could. It would reduce how many people drink and how many people smoke. No doubt about it. Really. I mean, you think your uh, your average beer beer drinker would go through waiting in the Walgreens parking lot for the guy with the bucket of whatever is supposedly beer. <laughs> you know, like we have to wait for our black market weed. You think, think a lot of beer drinkers would really go to all that trouble? The alcoholics will. Oh, yeah, the alcoholics will go to any length. Hell, my alcoholic dad drank Aqua Velva at one point. That's how that's how bad it can get. Sure. But, I mean, casual drinking would plummet. We could do that. Save a lot of lives. And a lot of disease. Save a lot of costs in healthcare. Not all of them. There, there, will, there will still be people dying, still be people drinking. No matter what, no matter what you prohibit, there will still be people doing it. But we, but what would the cost be? What would the benefit? I mean, how much do you want to pay in our society, in our freedom to be able to achieve this mythical utopia of nobody ever getting hurt or offended? I think we need more people being hurt and offended. <laughs> I think, I think we've gone too far. I think, I think we've been too soft in some respects. I, I, uh, for example, uh, seatbelt laws and helmet laws. I'm against them. Now, I I am not one to say that they're unconstitutional or that the government has no right to do them. It is an important distinction, right? The uh, public roadways are owned by the public and the public has the right to determine what is the safety standard for traveling upon those public roadways. Just like the guy that, uh, you know, the public has the right to tell the guy that runs the roller coaster that there has to be that little bar that goes down over your lap, which I don't know how much benefit that is, by the way. <laughs> but but we have the right to dictate those kind of things. I just don't think we should. <laughs> right. I think if you really want to drive around in a car without a seatbelt on and any wreck over 30 miles an hour be propelled through the windshield and likely die. Hey, Great. Great. We don't have to pay for your health care costs and we don't have to deal with you anymore. One less person on the road in traffic for me to have to worry about. Right. That's up to you, man. That's 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 Darwinism at its finest. If you're dumb enough to want to drive around without a seatbelt on, please be my guest. But I don't think we should be adding that as a punishment, right, that we should be punishing someone with a fine ticket or reason to pull them over because they're not wearing a seatbelt. That's just giving the state yet another excuse to interfere with our lives. And again, a crime that's a victimless crime, aside from the guy wearing the seatbelt, not wearing the seatbelt, right? I believe people have the right to choose to be stupid and to choose to mess up their minds and mess up their bodies. 
because it's like the free speech thing, right? You always have to you have to defend the most offensive speech because nobody's going to, you know, everybody says USA is number one. You know, that's not free speech that needs to be defended. Colin Kaepernick kneeling during the national anthem that needs to be defended, no matter how offended you might be by it. If you're not defending the most offensive speech, then free speech means nothing. Well, I think the same thing applies to our bodily sovereignty. It applies to our our freedom, right? We got to defend people's right to be heroin junkies. We got to defend people's right uh, to uh, huff glue, right? Your body, (laughs) your nose, your brain, do with it what you want. Now, I'm all for harm reduction. Let's educate people. I'm all for, you know, like clean needle exchanges and safe injection sites and all that kind of stuff. But I'm not for the government trying to force someone to not make a stupid decision. It, it, it kind of goes back to a religious thing with me, which is like, uh, you know, God gave you free will to worship him or burn in hell forever. <laughs> right. That's not really much of a free will choice, is it? <laughs> We got to give people their free will. We got to recognize that people are going to make stupid decisions and, and we want to mitigate the harm that causes others. And we want to mitigate people making those stupid decisions. Give them all the opportunity not to make that stupid decision. Tell them it's a stupid decision, but don't force it on them. Don't force it on them. You force someone to not make a stupid decision. You haven't made them any smarter. <laughs> They're just stupid people trying not to get busted. It doesn't help the stupid any. Likewise, you want to ride a motorcycle without a helmet on? Go have a ball, man. We need more organ donors. That's that's what uh, my friend got into John, right? He lived most of his life waiting for a kidney transplant. He used to love seeing guys riding down the road on motorcycles without helmets. You say that that's somebody that, you know, when those guys die... Usually their organs are fine. <laughs> they crack their skull open, but their heart, their lungs, their liver, their spleen, their kidneys, their eyes. <laughs> Organ donors. <laughs> freedom, baby, freedom. We're going to take a break. We'll close things up when we get back. And then it's off to Jamaica, baby. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry, one podcast at a time. The Cannabis Radio Network. The National Cannabis Industry Association presents the Seed to Sale Show, January 31st and February 1st at the Colorado Convention Center in Denver. Register now at www.seedtosaleshow.com or 888-409-4418. The NCIA Seed to Sale Show, the largest cannabis business event to be held in Denver, will host over 2,000 cannabis professionals and focus on innovations and technology in cultivation, infused products and extraction, and sales strategies. The show will recognize the best in the industry with the Cannavation and Canatech Awards. Register before January 6th for $100 savings at seedtosaleshow.com. Use the code RADIO15 for an additional 15% off. Plan your experience now for the NCIA Seed to Sale Show, January 31st and February 1st. Seedtosaleshow.com or 888 888- 
409-4418. Tokers, there's no good reason to get your dog stoned. While it might not harm them physically, imagine being a dog who already begs for treats all day, and then imagine that dog having the munchies. Not cool. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. And some, I assume, are good people. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. At Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie's Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. Proud sponsors of the Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. <coughs> or at least they pay me to say that. This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, a reminder, this is the last you'll hear from me live until the week of December 19th. Uh, we'll be back for December 19th, a full week, and then uh, the next two weeks, uh, Tuesday through Friday, because the Mondays are federal holidays. Then another full week, and then another four-day week, because Martin Luther King Day is a federal holiday. And then my birthday's coming up. That uh, that NCIA seed to sales show is on my birthday, January thirty first, February first. So I'll probably be working on my birthday. That's not a surprise, though. Happens a lot. We've uh, got just a few little stories running through right now uh, to catch up on. Uh, quick note on the uh, Colorado governor wanting to redirect some pot taxes to help uh, the homeless. Uh, this is getting more play. Uh, CBS four in Denver uh, has a story. Could uh, legalization help Colorado's homeless epidemic? Uh, you know, I I'm not against, you know, uh, sending some pot tax money to help the homeless. But I have an idea. How about homes? There, there is an idea. Help the homeless. I, we got a, a terrible, terrible problem of houselessness here in Portland. Places I drive by all the time that are tent cities. I mean, little Hoovervilles. There's there's some AP history for you. We got little Hoovervilles set up all over the place. These poor folks that are just trying to survive living in these tents, right? And there's a solution for this. There's a real simple solution for homelessness. It's give people homes. Give them homes. Well, Russ, you can't. You can't just uh, you give people free places to live. Why not? Why? 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 Why not? Why can we not have free homes? I mean, you, you've seen like the tiny house movement where they take like a you know flatbed, you know little you know, little two hundred square foot homes, little three hundred square foot homes, pods even. Why can't we? Why can't this be? Why can't there be like 
here in Portland, right, we go to the we we have the the Max trains, right? And so you go to the Max trains, and a lot of them have these little covered like metal screened bike uh, lockers, so that you can open it up, you can put your bike in there and lock it down, so you don't have the assholes that take the front tire or you know mess with your bike or whatever, right? And they're a kind of thing you can rent by the day. Why don't we have that for people? You know, little pods in, in public, you know, land or whatever, big enough that you could park a shopping cart in it full of shit, right? That they're carrying around. That locks down at night, keeps them warm, keeps them out of the uh, uh, keeps them out of the elements, keeps us from setting up tents all over the place. I just uh, and and if they only cost you know a, a tiny bit of money, a buck. Right here in here in Oregon, you can get five cents for every can that you turn in. Every aluminum can, twenty aluminum cans gets you a place to sleep for the night. Why don't we have more creative solutions for shit like this? I, you know what I'd like to see? Free housing for anybody who brings in two pounds of cigarette butts. Boy, wouldn't that be awesome? You bring in two pounds of cigarette butts because I. What is it about you smokers? You don't think a cigarette butt is litter. <laughs> that just bugs the hell out of me. So much to talk about. So little time. I'm out of time. Sorry, folks. I got to go to Jamaica. But I'll be at PDX Weed Week tomorrow and Friday. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, thanks for joining us. Check out PDXWeedWeek.com for more info. I'm Radical Russ. Until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it.